trying to sneak up here. <laughs> it's funny because the first service I did it, one of, the, one of the bolts fell down and made a loud noise. So I I've been off for a week. You know, I, I don't have my uh, mojo. So um, <clears throat> whatever that is. Anyways, uh, way to brave uh, snowpocalypse and losing an hour. So you guys did a good job this morning. Way to be here. Uh, this is the 10.30 service, not the 9 o'clock, just in case anybody's wondering. Okay, that fell flat. Anyways, uh, so huge thanks to Ben, who came up from Fremont last week to uh, lead the, the music. Uh, Jason uh, got called up to uh, preach. Uh, Kim and I were both sick last week. And I can um, tell you all about it if you like. Uh, you, got, you got anybody care? No? Okay. Uh, so it was a rough one. <clears throat> wow. But uh, we had a great uh, church filled of people who serve and who sacrifice to do what we need to do around here. And, you know, we're still looking for a music guy. And in spite of that, you know, we're still growing. And we've got the kids in the quad now because we've got so many kids coming. Um, and so that's awesome. That's a great thing. And but as you grow, um, there's also um, a need. You know, we have need, people's needs. We need to be able to meet people's needs. And uh, So this morning, we, uh, we're going to talk about the dreaded S word. And it's not what you're thinking. The S word meaning serving. Because some of you guys are thinking, talk about that in church. Yeah. We're going to talk about serving this morning. But before we do that, let me go ahead and pray. And we'll get rolling. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning. And thank you for the opportunity to... To worship you, um, and again, worship is not just music, it's, it's everything that we do as long as we're doing it, seeking your glory and your honor and representing you. And so the, the conversations in the lobby, the uh, prayer that goes on, um, the ministry that's happening in the Impact Team, the children's ministry and the tech and the music, and, and now us sitting here um, listening to what Jesus has to say to us, um, and this is all worship. And so we're thankful for the opportunity to do that. As we continue to pray all the time, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would empower us to be able to do it well and to represent you well. And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to be talking about serving today. Why are we doing that? Well, because that's what Jesus is talking about. So that's why we're doing that. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. It's page 1077 if you're using the Bible there. Uh, in the chairs. And as you do, let me just kind of give you the plan for the next two weeks. John 13 through 16, uh, Jesus is kind of uh, prepping his disciples for the upcoming mission. He's moving from talking to large crowds and, and doing miracles and signs and all that kind of stuff, proving that he's God. And he's going to focus in on the 12, soon to be 11 disciples and kind of getting them prepped and ready to go. Because eventually, and with several days now, and back then, he's going to uh, die on the cross. He's going to be buried. He's going to rise again. And then 40, day la 40 days later, he's going to go back to heaven. And so these guys are the guys who are going to be starting the mission off. And then, of course, we come along all these years later, and we're disciples. Those of us who place our faith in Christ are disciples. And so what he's telling them He's telling us today. So he's giving these guys the essentials. What, what's needed for them to accomplish the mission that he's going to be giving them. We're covering 13 through 16. We're going to split these two uh, or four chapters up. Uh, so 13, 14 today, 15, 16 uh, next week. So today we want to talk about and look at what's this whole 
thing. Why did Jesus start things off by washing the disciples' feet? What is up with that? Seems kind of a gross thing to do. Um, and why did he do that? He's going to explain that to us and then challenge us with some more essentials. And then next week, we want to talk about primarily um, the work of God the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of weird teaching going on today about the Holy Spirit and, and what his job is and what his role is. And so it's very important that we get back to Scripture and what Jesus uh, tells us and what his apostles tell us about the role and responsibility of God the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk about that next week. Um, and so uh, just a real quick review, because I kind of like to bring us back to this point, that in John 20, so at the end of the Gospel of John, John 20, verse 31, John tells us why it was that he wrote this gospel. And the, and the purpose was, he said, was that you might know you have eternal life. So he's written this entire gospel so that when at some point in your life, you can get to the point, if you're not already there, where you can know that you have a relationship with God so that when you die physically, you'll spend eternity with God. Now we know scripture talks about that's not just in the presence of God. Eventually, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, which is really cool. Blow your mind. We're not going to get into it this morning, but you know, really uh, pretty cool stuff. But it, so there's two aspects to this, and the, and the first one is this: how you how you can know how to receive eternal life. All right. So you don't and I don't work to get our eternal life. It's something that we receive as a gift. This is what Jesus has been telling us all through the Gospel of John. This is a gift that God gives us through faith in Jesus. If we believe in Jesus, which is how John says it uh, quite a bit, if we believe in Jesus, what he means by that is we believe, first of all, that Jesus is God. So God the Son became man. So he's Jesus. Jesus was not in the Old Testament. God the Son was in the Old Testament. He put on flesh, became Jesus. So he's God-man. Believe that. But then you believe that when he went to the cross, he went there not for his sins, but your sins, and for my sins. And he died on that cross in order to take our eternal punishment for our sin against God. And so you believe that. And then you believe he did it for you. So then you go to God and say, God, I'm, uh, please forgive me my sin. I'm trusting what Jesus did for me. You know, I'm, that's how I have eternal life. That's how I have my sins forgiven. And when it happens, again, we've, this is stuff we've talked about in John, then... God adopts us into his family. We become a child of God. That's how you become a child of God. And he does that through the Holy Spirit, um, which again, we've talked about. So then God, the Holy Spirit is in you, and you are a child of God, and now you have eternal life. Not based on anything you've done, based on what Jesus has done, and what God has done by giving you God, the Holy Spirit. The other aspect of this is that for people who pray that prayer, but then they don't necessarily start doing what they're supposed to do. At times, there's a sense of, I don't know if I have eternal life anymore. How do I, how do I really know that that decision back here, that I was really sincere, how do I know that? And so Jesus has also been telling us that there's going to be some things that are going to change about your life. There's going to be uh, changes in how you think, how you view things, your perspective on things. You're going to change... Um, how you act and respond to people, what you're going to do is you're actually going to become more like Jesus because you're a child of God. You're going to become more like Jesus. Or to really make it simple is 
If you've truly placed your faith in Christ, and that's really happened, because we know people sometimes pray out of emotion, all kinds of stuff, and they really don't understand what they did, and that kind of stuff. But if you truly understood, and it was a sincere uh, desire for God to forgive you your sins, you placed your faith in Christ, then God the Holy Spirit's in you, and he's going to be helping you and moving you towards becoming more like Christ for you to obey Christ, to obey Jesus, to do what Jesus tells us to do. You're going to obey Jesus, and you're going to live like Jesus for the same purpose that he lived. Now, what was Jesus' purpose? Don't answer this out loud. But what was Jesus' purpose for coming? Was it to die on the cross? Or was it to be obedient to God the Father? Because it's kind of crucial here. All right. So here's a summary. Um, this is something I put together years ago, going through John, especially John 17, which we're going to go through in a couple of weeks. But this is a summary of Jesus' life. So Jesus came to this earth. God the Son put on human flesh, became man, all right, to glorify God. In other words, to make him known, to be obedient. All right? So to glorify God through an obedient life, that draws people to Jesus for salvation and help them grow in a relationship with him. So Jesus Christ didn't come to, I mean, he came to die on the cross for our sins. But my point is, what motivated him? What motivated him is that he wanted to be obedient to God the Father. So he comes to this earth, he glorifies God, he makes him known, makes who, who God is and how he operates known to everybody. Then in obedience, he goes to the cross, not for his sin, but for yours and mine. And he goes through all of that for us in order to draw us to him for salvation. And then, of course, he's helped people grow in their faith. Well, that is a great summary for all of us who say we believe in Jesus, who say that we are disciples of Jesus, who say that we are followers of Jesus. That's different ways of saying the same thing. If we're following Jesus, then we will do what Jesus did. We will live the way he lived for the purposes that he lived. Now, I get it. Some Christians will you know, verbally say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But they'll look at that and go, yeah. You know, Harold, I'm not really sure. Listen, again, don't ever take my word for anything. Okay? Just study Scripture. Read it for yourself. Find out what Jesus actually says means following him. Don't take my word for it. Don't take anybody else's word for it. And if I could just say this as respectfully as I can. Don't take your word for it. Take Jesus' word for it. Okay? And that's kind of a, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm a little bit pumped up. You know, I missed last week, and I'm, I'm back at it, you know? <laughs> All right. So, when Jesus said, follow me, that's what he meant. Live life my way for the purposes that I've lived my life. And so he's prepping the disciples for the mission that they have, because Jesus came to, to bring the gospel. Now the disciples, they're going to be bringing the gospel. We as disciples are supposed to be bringing the gospel. And so he's prepping them, getting them ready, because he's eventually going to be gone. And so he wants them to know what they need to know. But it also, it's not just one of the, and we're going to look at some of the essentials today about making a mission uh, successful. But it's not just that it's, this is essential to making a mission successful. Here's one of those times that we need to evaluate and say, did I truly mean what I said I meant when I asked God to forgive me my sins? Do I truly have eternal life? Am I a child of God? 
Not because doing these things make you a child of God, but because when you place your faith in Christ and God the Holy Spirit is in your life, you will do these things. And so it's kind of an evaluation point. Kind of, you know, killing two birds with one stone here. All right, so if you were Jesus, and you've, uh, he's got 12 right now. Eventually, I'm telling you a little bit of the story ahead of time. I don't know if you know this, but he ends up losing one of the, one of the guys. Um, and so if you had these 11 ragtag guys not really well-educated, um, not really, uh, you know, kind of uncouth, <laughs> if I may use that word. I don't even know what it means, but it sounded good. You know, so you got these guys that are just kind of bumbling around and are following after Jesus, and they're kind of a lot more like us than maybe some real hyper-spiritual people uh, because they're always asking questions that seem to be obvious, and we kind of do the same thing from time to time. But if you wanted them to be able to accomplish a mission of bringing a message to the entire world, what would you want them to know? Like, what, what, would, what would you want to train them to do? You know, maybe you would, you'd want them to, to train them to be more you know, articulate, you know, speak well. Uh, or, or maybe you, you want them to, to be trained to, you know, how to win friends and influence people. So you want these, some influencers, some people who can use the, the internet well or, you know, snack, snack, chat, snap. The chat thing. You know, maybe, uh, maybe these are people, you know, they, they network well. You know, they're like in politics and they're in business and they're networking really well together. Maybe these are people who do hypnosis. This would be a great way to get people to come to Christ, right? You walk up to them. You're getting sleepy, sleepy. When I snap my fingers, you'll trust right. I mean, wouldn't that be an awesome way of doing it? And then you can also make them do some other things too, maybe that would be kind of fun to watch. Well, you know, what is it? What, what would they do? They need to be good planners? They need to be logistics people? I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of a logistics planning, kind of a process kind of guy. Jesus doesn't do that. This is what Jesus does. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands, and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, so in between all those lines, what he's saying is, I know that I'm going to die on a cross. I know that I'm going to have nails shoved into my wrists and into my feet. I know that I'm going to be having my sides ripped open. I know that in order for me to breathe, I'm going to have to lift myself up and then exhale. And I know I'm going to be doing that for hours at a time. That's what's in between all those lines. So in other words, what he's saying is, Jesus, despite the pain that he knows he's going to be in, he's confident in God's plan. He's going to go ahead and go through that pain because he's confident of God's plan. So what does he do? Well, he gets up from supper, laid aside his garments. Now, at this point, when I did this with high school and junior high, I was like, <laughs> Jesus took his clothes off. No, he didn't take his clothes off. Just be adults, will you? Because, oh, yeah, come on. Some of you guys are like, oh, I just won't say that because, you know, I'm an adult. He just took off, he took off his outer robe. All right. And taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. Including Judas, by the way. If you don't know the story, Judas is going to betray him. Judas is going to be the one who helps put Jesus on the cross. And to wipe them with the towel uh, with which he was girded. Is that how you would start out? Is that how you would 
Get your 11, your team of 11. Hey, we're going to go take the world for Christ. Now, here's, let me wash your feet. Let me get down, including Judas. The way they did this, I'm not really sure, I can't remember if Jason explained this, but the, you know, the table would be sitting there and they would be elbow facing the table and their feet would be out this way and then they would talk to each other and eat, talk to their feet out this way. So Jesus gets out, which by the way keeps their feet, you know. Are you familiar with what went on in the first century? They didn't have pavement. So they had dirt and dust. Um, when they were done with their trash in their house, that went out into the street. Um, when the cows came by, or the donkeys came by, or the dogs that were wild who were running around, or the cats that, I'm not even sure why they're existing, but while they're running around, then they would come into their house walking through that in sandals. And so when they got to this room, they were all eating with their feet filled with dirt and dust and trash and animal poop. So why would Jesus stoop so low? Why would, why would Jesus choose to get down? You know, some of you guys may have done foot washing in the past, and we kind of sprinkle a little water on our feet and wipe our towel, and we get up, hug each other, and then if we sit back down and go on to the next person. Jesus is down, literally washing their feet, taking the dirt, the dust, the trash, the dog poop off their feet. Jesus, God. Anybody finding that to be a little uncomfortable? Certainly, Jesus should be able to say, hey, guys, I'm God, wash my feet. No, he doesn't. He, he washes their feet. And then on top of that, what does this have to do with getting the message out? <laughs> what does this got to do with anything? Well, Jesus tells us. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, hopefully he washed his hands, he said to them, do you know what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, by the way, the Lord and the teacher, I'm Lord first before teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to, or you must, or you're obligated to wash one another's feet. Now, why, why should we? I'm sure the disciples were sitting here thinking to themselves, why should we? Why do I know that? Because we would be asking that question. Why do I know that? Because we do ask that question. Why do I need to do that? Why do I need to serve? That's where Jesus is going here. So he says this, For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly. Hey, listen up. This is important. A slave is not greater or more important than his master. Nor is one who is sent greater than one who sent him. In other words, Jesus is saying a disciple is not greater than Jesus. Or as John would say, a believer is not greater than Jesus. If you know these things, that we're not greater than Jesus, you are blessed. In other words, it's God's favor and confidence. We'll talk about that. You are blessed if... You do them. So in other words, if you want God's promise of blessing on your life, you have to do what Jesus said to do. If, again, this, we, these are believers. 
These are people who have already submitted their lives to Christ. They've already asked God to forgive them their sins. They're already a child of God. They're already people who say, I believe that God's Lord of my life. You know, so he's not saying do these things and you'll be saved. He says, no, you're doing these things because you are saved. You already have that salvation. And so Jesus tells us that the first essential for mission success and bringing the gospel to this world is humbly serving or serving humbly. Now, again, if you're, if you're like me, and I think you, you know, are, in the fact that we're both you know, we're human, that's not what we would think. That's not what we would do. That's not the first thing that we would talk about or care about. That we'd be not only serving humbly, but serving our church family first and foremost. You know, we get it, we maybe have to serve non-believers, but he, no, he's, first thing, he's saying serve each other. Foot washing was the job of the, of the lowest servant in the home. Anybody, nobody except for the lowest servant washed people's feet as they came in. And here's Jesus, God, our creator, washing their feet. See, Jesus says, yeah, I am Lord. I am teacher, which means you are servants and you are my disciples. Again, you're my creations. I made you. <laughs> That's another way you could put it. And so Jesus is saying, listen, as Lord and teacher, and you guys being servants and disciples, you who have placed your faith in me, your job is to learn from me and to imitate me. Do life the way I'm doing life for the purposes that I'm doing life for. He says you ought to. In the Greek it means must. or you're, There's an obligation to serve. Because Jesus is God and he stoops down low to not just wash feet but die on a cross. We who believe that we who are trusting our eternal life to that, we are obligated to serve each other. So let me ask you, believer, are you serving other believers? Are you serving your church family? Now I'm talking to those who, who see Grace Point Church as their home church. and I get to the first-time attenders of some recent attenders kind of checking things out and they're wondering, is this the church for us? They're probably thinking, I'm not sure if it's the church for us. Well, Whatever the case, we want to do church the way God wants us to do church and the way Jesus is building it. Which, by the way, just, just a side note, and this is not so much for you guys because you're here, um, but uh, if you're, you know, people who listen to podcasts or people who are sitting home, um, it, it requires that you're here. <laughs> Serving your church family requires you connecting with your church family. And that's just kind of a logical thing, but it's also a command, uh, which we'll be talking about here. Um, this idea of commands and obeying Jesus. But anyways, you've got to be here in order for that to happen. Because here's the deal. You and I are not greater than Jesus. We're not. He's Lord. He's Teacher, capital T. We're His servant. We're His disciples. See, the word greater means prominent, outstanding, uh, more important than. And Jesus said, you can't be. You can't be more important than me. You know, he's God, right? But what he's saying here is if a Christian, 
a believer isn't serving other believers, you think you're more important. So let me ask you, do you think you're more important than Jesus? If you're a believer, if you're not a believer, you're just finding out what, it, what Jesus Christ calls us to once we place our faith in Christ. Do you see yourself as more important? You may say, no, 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 here, no, no. Jesus says, this is not, you can read it for yourself. Jesus says that the disciple is not greater than the teacher. And if the teacher, God, washed our feet, served, we better be doing the same thing. We have a responsibility. We have an obligation. Jesus didn't just wash their feet. In fact, he's never washed our feet. Jesus went to the cross. That's a greater demonstration of servanthood than just taking poop off of someone's feet. And then he says this, we're blessed by God if we do serve like Jesus. So here's the awesome part. You want, you want to be blessed by God? Whatever that looks like, you want it? Yeah, I mean, whatever that looks like, it's better than anything else that we could possibly have, right? He says, you're blessed by God for serving like Jesus. Blessed means to receive divine favor. It's a real general word. It means happiness, but our happiness is really based off circumstances. So this probably gravitates more towards this joy, this inner sense of, um, you know, I'm doing stuff that God wants me to do, and, and I'm pleasing my Father. And again, not for salvation, but because we're saved. And um, it has this, uh, I think I put it up on the screen. Yeah, it's kind of like God's attaboy, you know. Uh, when we're doing what he wants us to do, and he's going to give us the attaboy. Way to go. Slap us on the back. You know, smack us upside the back of the head, whatever, in love. Um, I've had it the other way, too. You ever have somebody in your life that you respect say, hey, way to go. You did a great job. That's awesome. I'm so proud of you. And you kind of walk around going, I shouldn't be so proud of myself, but I'm feeling pretty good. Right? Because it feels good, right? When someone recognizes what you've done, God's recognizing what you're doing. When you serve the way Christ served. It also gives you kind of the sense of confidence um, that you are truly saved, you know, if you want to put it that way, because you're doing what God's called you to do, and you're, you're doing it. You know, it's not easy. Serving is, we'll talk about this, serving's not easy. But you, you do it because you love him, because you know. And if I could just say one more thing on this. And I want to be I want to say it more gently maybe than I did in the 9 o'clock service. Because my, my heart really um, hurts for people, Christians, for people in general, but for Christians who um, have a difficult time distinguishing between what are their thoughts and what are God's thoughts. Uh, Christians who have a tendency maybe to spiritualize their own thoughts that happens a lot of times because they're not in the Word. And they really don't know what God's thoughts are. They're just going off of what they think they might have heard me say or some other pastor say or some neat thing on Facebook, some meme with some actor who never said what that thing says it says. And, you know, all that kind of, oh, that's kind of, mm, I'm going to share that, you know, whatever. <clears throat> when we get into God's Word and we begin eating it up and we begin studying it, 
And it doesn't happen overnight. But as we do that, and then we go, in spite of how I'm feeling today, I want this day to be about me. I got things that I want to do. I got things that I got to get done. Uh, I, I, got, I want people to make sure they understand where I'm coming from. I want people to respect me for what I've got. I, 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 me, me, me. When you can finally get to the point in your life where you begin to set that aside, because it'll keep coming back, by the way. You got to keep setting aside. Okay, and I'm going to do it God's way. I'm telling you, your Christian life will lose the depression. Your Christian life will lose the discouragement. You'll lose the disillusionment. Why? Because now you're doing life God's way. Listen, I know this battle. I live it every day. If you ask people who are on our leadership team, who's the person who can go around and make critical comments about our building? This guy. I'm a frustrated perfectionist. And then I start doing that with life in general. It starts with picking on myself. And then it starts picking on others. Now I'm upset with myself. I'm upset with people. But, you, know. you tracking with me? Those of you who struggle, get your mind back where it needs to be, focused on Christ, and then responding in spite of how you're feeling, in spite of what you're thinking, respond the way Jesus wants you to think, respond the way Jesus wants you, and then you'll begin to see over time that will change, your perspective will change. Anyways, so in this story, dinner progresses, uh, Jesus tells the disciples that there's going to be one who portrays them. And so they're like, you know, what's going on here? Peter talks to John. John says to Jesus, hey, who's it going to be? And Jesus says to John, hey, I'm going to dip some bread in here. And whoever I dip the bread and then hand it to, that's the guy who's going to do it. But he must have said it quietly. Because if you read the story, he does that, but nobody responds. You would think that if, if, uh, if it said it loud enough, then the other 11 would see him hand it to, to Judas, and then it would have jumped to Judas. They're going to keep Judas from betraying Jesus. But they don't. And so it must have been kind of a quiet thing or maybe there's so much talking going on. They didn't hear whatever the case. But he hands the bread to Judas. And then Judas, then he says, you go out and whatever you're going to do, do quickly. Because we already know from the story that Satan had put it into the mind of um, Judas to portray Jesus and he had determined to do that. And so Judas leaves. Once he's gone, Jesus continues and says, I'm going to glorify myself. And then they're talking about going on the cross and rising again. But then he's also going to be glorifying God through doing that. In other words, showing more about who God is and and all that kind of stuff. And, and so um, he's also saying, by the way, because of that, I'm going to leave you. So you can just tell these guys, you're going to be, what? You're leaving us. Again, they're not quite catching everything, kind of like us. We don't always catch everything. They're not catching it. So he said, I'm going to leave you. You can't come with me. But here's what I want you to do while I'm gone. This is what he says. A new commandment I give to you that you love, and that's the agape love, which means self-sacrificing love, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, this loving each other sacrificially, all men, both believers and non-believers, will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. He talks about love quite a bit here. And so it only makes sense that if that Jesus would command them to love sacrificially, Right after, it's their obligation to serve each other. So essential number one, serving together. Essential number two is loving sacrificially because loving, or serving, or pardon me, serving, yeah, is, I'm getting my essentials mixed up. 
Serving is hard. It's not easy. It's time-consuming. You can't do all the stuff that you want to do. You can't spend, doing, spend time on your leisure time that you may want to spend time on. You, you know, there's a bunch of other things that you could be doing other than serving. So serving is difficult. And so because of that, it says it takes time and, and so it keeps us from doing the things we want. Now we have to be motivated by love. Because love, agape love, is self-sacrificing. Now he says this is a new commandment. Technically it's not a new commandment. It's talked about in the Old Testament. What makes this new is he says, as I have loved you. So now he takes love from the Old Testament and he cranks it up 100%. Saying this love, let me demonstrate for you what this love is. Let me, let me put a, a measuring rod up there for you as to what love is supposed to be. This is not um, phileo love, the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love. This is that kind of heartfelt, warm, fuzzy, hey, let's like hang out with each other, you know, that kind of love. And it's not eros love, that's the sexual love. This is agape love. This is the love that Jesus demonstrated. This is self-sacrificing the meeting of another person's need. This is pain. Plain and simple. At certain levels. Sometimes not as much. Sometimes great. It's looking, it's looking out for the best of somebody else or looking out for what somebody else might need no matter what it might cost us. It always involves cost. Us loving anybody, but certainly believers, always will involve a certain level of cost to us. Otherwise, it's not agape love. It's just phileo love. Imagine the impact on the disciples after they remembered what Jesus said. Because John keeps telling us, we remembered, we remembered. When Jesus was dying on the cross... And then he rose from dead and he went back to heaven. And they're sitting around and they're talking about and they're thinking about back when Jesus was, remember when Jesus was alive? Yeah, remember when we did this? Yeah, that was funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, remember when he said, love as I loved you? And then he went to the cross? What Jesus is saying here is, you want to love agape love? I'm commanding you to love that way? Be with her. Just like Jesus died for us. So believer, let me ask you, are you loving well? Are you loving the way Jesus loved? Are you responding to people in such a way that you're experiencing pain, in a sense, in order to meet whatever their need is? It starts in our home. Husbands and wives. Parents and kids. Kids and parents. Especially if they're believers. Are we, to a hurt of ourselves, doing what our spouse needs, what our kids need, what our parents need? The last time someone hurt you, what was your response? A believer. It happens. It happens in church. Church family, someone says something they didn't necessarily, they may or may not have meant it to be mean, but it was taken as being mean. And someone gets offended and they get hurt and they, what did you do with that? Sadly, often, the person reacts inside. They get all worked up and then they go tell everybody else. 
rather than going to God with it and asking God to give them the wisdom and the strength that they need to go to the person with it. And dying to themselves, not knowing how that person is going to respond to them, coming to them saying, hey, you hurt me, and I'd like to make this right. And rather than going to that person and experiencing that pain, they just let it go and tell everybody else about it. This happens again. It happens in church. It happens in families. It, it's not how God says to do it. It's not how Jesus even instructed us how to do it. Jesus gave us specific instructions. It's in the red. It's in red. That we, we go to the person. We show that we have eternal life by taking the hurt and doing it the way God wants us to do it, the way Christ commands us to do it. So how does this help how does this help us be successful in the mission? Well, he says that our love shows non-believers that we are Jesus' disciples. So it's interesting because Jesus doesn't say non-believers will know his disciples by us going, I love my church family. I love my church family. I just love my church family. He doesn't say that's what's going to demonstrate he doesn't say they'll know we are followers by telling them we're followers. Now again, that'll get out. That'll be part of. But he says they'll know we are Jesus' disciples when we sacrificially love each other. Again, this is huge. Like in our marriages, and in our families, and as well as the church. Because we're probably going to interact with people more at our familial family level than we are at church level potentially first. Why is that? Why would that be so important to getting the message out of the gospel? Because we are a demonstration, real life demonstration to them what Jesus did for them on the cross. So when we do life the way God wants us to do, and we, we love each other, and we take on the pain that's associated with us doing what God wants us to do, then people see that and like, wow, I want that for my life. Why? Because non-believers ultimately, what everyone's searching for, the Bible tells us they're just they're looking for acceptance. They're looking for a relationship with the one who created them. And then when we show them through how we respond, the kind of God we worship, who is the God who created them, now we have a way of interacting with them. So Peter, Thomas, Philip, they're still thinking about Jesus leaving. They're not listening. They're not listening to Jesus and thinking, hey, you're going to leave. And so Peter's like, hey, you're not going anywhere. And if so, I'm going with you. I'll die for you. And Jesus says, no, listen, you're not going to die for me. At least not now. You will later. But you're not going to die for me. In fact, you're going to deny me three times. And so then Thomas is like, hey, well, however you're going, wherever you're going, you know, the way that you're going to go, let us know and we'll follow you. He says, no, no, I'm the way. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father but through me because Jesus is going to heaven. And Thomas thinks he's going somewhere else, but he, no, he's going to heaven. And so Thomas wants to go to heaven and goes through Jesus Christ. And then Philip's like, okay, well, Jesus, just show us the Father, and we'll be good to go. And you can probably just see Jesus going, you know, it's kind of sweaty. He's, he sounds like a Pharisee, right? Didn't they keep on saying that? Show us, show us, show us. Now Philip is saying, show us the Father, and we'll be good to go. And Jesus is like, I've been showing you. Look at the works I've been doing. All the stuff that I've been doing is only something that God can do. 
He says, if you don't believe me, believe the works. So then he tries to encourage him with this promise, which is our third essential. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, you know, listen up. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Greater works than Jesus. I'm going to go and maybe raise some people from the dead. Oh. Actually, that wouldn't be greater than Jesus because Jesus did that, so that doesn't work. Anyways, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, awesome, that will I do. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So he's going to provide what we need so God gets the attention, not us. <clears throat> and then he repeats it. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so we've got this promise from Jesus. And the promise is that there will there'll be greater works. Now, if these greater works, that's a huge deal. So that we're going to need what we, and we, we're not, we don't have it in ourselves, and so we're going to need something from him to accomplish the greater works. So what are the greater works? Well, it's not greater in kind. There's nothing greater than a guy who's able to raise himself from the dead, which is what Jesus did. And so he's not talking about, well, we're going to do greater works. He's actually talking about greater in a sense of, of, of um, reach or extent. So Jesus, he just kind of functioned between Jerusalem and up in Galilee. He's got him back and forth. The disciples are going to go to the known world. And we, we are the uttermost parts of the world that they were told to go to. And now we have our areas that we need to go with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's going to be a greater work in a sense, greater in size, greater in spread. And so to accomplish that, we're going to need some stuff. And so Jesus says, hey, whatever you need, I'm going to give it to you. Now, the key thing is this. It's when we pray, we're supposed to be praying in line with his name. So one, that's authority. So we never go to God in our own authority, we go to God in Christ's authority because we are in Christ. We've placed our faith in Christ. He's allowed us into the throne room of God, if you want to call it that. But we also pray according to his purpose, his name. His name means something, and it's his purpose. And so when we pray, we need to pray in line with his authority based on his purposes. So I joke about like to have a 68 to 72 canary yellow vet. Um, that's something I have heart's desire. God says, oh, give me a heart's desire. Well, no, not necessarily. There's a condition there, and the condition is, I need, to, I need to pray for God's will to be done to accomplish his purposes in and through me. And when I pray that way, I'll get whatever it is I pray for. Because, <laughs> you know, one way of looking at it. It won't be a vet. I guess is what I'm saying. But how often do we pray for... Um, you know, like when I was sick, you know, one of the things I was praying for is, God, make me feel better. But what if it isn't God's will that I feel better? What if it brings God more glory? What if it causes the gospel to be spread further if I'm not well? Someone has cancer or some other life-threatening illness or some physical malady. What if, what if God gets more glory? What if the gospel gets spread more? more effectively? What if that person grows closer to Christ through that? And I don't say we shouldn't pray for people to be healed and we shouldn't pray for people to be healthy. And 
But I think we need to add to that. God, your will. Do what you need to do in our lives in order to draw them closer to you and, and use that to impact others for Christ. So how's your prayer life? What's your prayer life? Is it self-focused? Is it all about you? What you want? What you think? What, or is it about what God wants to do in and through whatever circumstance you have? Well, before Jesus goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about next week, he gives us last one, essential. You need to fly through this. Here's the fourth essential. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm not going to land on this real long. But the final essential for success in the mission is obedience. Respond obediently to his commands. Which ones? All of them. Including the three that we just talked about. See, our, our love isn't just verbal. You can't just say something. I know in this world, you can, and it's supposed to be believed. But in real life, words matter. Actions matter more. And so, we may say, I love, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But if we're not obeying Jesus, He's saying, then you're not loving me. Because why? Loving him is obeying him. It's looking out for the best of Jesus, no matter what it might cost us. What's it going to cost us? Us. How we think, our perspective on whatever's coming down the pike, our actions, our responses to people. That's what it's going to cost. Love is painful. But this is the pain that you want because you become more and more like Jesus Christ. So believer, do you love Jesus? I didn't say, did you say you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Are you willing to obey his commands? If so, then your life Go on to the next one there, Caleb. You're going to serve humbly. You're going to love sacrificially. You're going to pray confidently because you're going to be responding obediently. As we close, just a few takeaways here. First of all, are you humbly serving your church family? Again, this is Grace Point's your church. You're like, yeah, yeah, Grace Point's my church. If, if it's not your church, if you're here visiting from another church or what, you know, whatever, whatever church you land at, if that's your church, then you need to humbly serve in that church. If you're here, in this church. we got needs all over the place. We're growing. Thank the Lord. It's awesome. And so we've got needs in every area of our ministry, from impact team, which is the greeters and all that, the cafe and kind of the children's area. You don't even have to teach. You can just be in there and hang out with the kids and, be our, and represent Christ that way. We've got our tech in the back. We've got our music up here. We need a drummer. Hello? Drums do no good sitting back in that back room. Should be up here. Properties. We're going to be tearing into a couple bathrooms in the kitchen next Sunday. You can jump in on that. We got Easter coming up. And if you're like, I'm just going to kind of dip my toe in. You know, well, be available to be on the impact team. Greet people at the door. Help people find seats here in the auditorium. Saturday the 8th from 3 and 4.30. Sunday the 9th usual, 9 and 
And so what I would challenge you to do, I'm just challenging you. I'm not telling you to do anything. This is between you and God. But I'm challenging you based on what Jesus said. Fill out a Connect card. Put your name on it. Flip it on the backside. And there's some areas of ministry that you say, I want some information about this ministry. We'll get you some information. And then you can decide whether you want to jump in or not. Secondly, uh, how well are you sacrificially loving? Again, it starts in your family. Husbands, how are you doing? Loving your wives sacrificially? Wives, are you respecting your husbands? Dads, moms together, are you raising your kids according to the instruction of God's word? Ephesians. Kids, are you obeying? I'm not going to look over here. <laughs> Kids, Kids, are you obeying your parents in the Lord? Three, are you confidently praying? Man, get before God and ask Him to be doing the things in and through you that bring His mission forward. It's awesome when you see prayers. Man, I can tell you some of the incredible prayers that have been answered in our church based because of that. Lives changed. People making decisions that you're just like, wow, I never thought they could do it. You know, they're doing it. It's awesome. All right. And then last one. Do you love Jesus? And if you do, you'll respond in obedience. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, man, just thank you so much for your love for us. That God the Son would be willing to become man and die in our place and secure an opportunity for us to have eternal life if we would just trust you and just place our faith in you to believe in Jesus. Lord, I pray for us who are here this morning who are believers and specifically those who would call Grace Point their church. Uh, Lord, that you would work in their hearts and their minds and just you convince them through your word and through your Holy Spirit to do the things that they need to do. And in that experience, the blessing that comes, the joy that comes, we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Have a great rest of the day and week.